Well, good morning. I'm Doug Bridge. Um, I am the family ministry pastor. So if you were looking to hear from Jim Hammond, keep looking. Um, but last week he did start us off on uh, a new sermon series titled Bad Advice. And, and in that whole idea of bad advice, um, he, he picked the title last week of How to Commit Adultery. And may I just say I'm so glad that he chose to do that and didn't leave it for me for this week. Um, I'm not sure that this week is a whole lot easier, but that would have, well, I was here and I listened and this is a tough series, you know? Um, Jim mentioned last week that he's uncomfortable with sarcasm and um, it's probably my middle name, so... Uh, we differ in that regard, and I don't ever get it to use with the children that I work with, so here it comes. Um, I'm torn in sharing because addiction is a very, very real and despicable thing that has a way of reaching into lives and families and uh, making a real mess. Let me give you a definition of addiction that I think helps us this morning. Uh, it's defined as compulsive seeking and use even in the face of known negative health consequences. And can I just make sure that you understand we're not just talking about physical health there. Okay, the broad spectrum of health. I'll give it to you one more time. The compulsive seeking and use, even in the face of known negative health consequences. And before I go any further, um, I want to make sure that I say to everybody in this room, if you are in that life right now where addiction has its hold, if you've just come out of that and you've found freedom from that addiction in Christ, or if you're a family member or a friend who has been down that road with others, um, I wanna make sure that you hear me say, I'm, I'm not trying to bury you in pain this morning. That's, that's not my goal. I don't wanna mock your situation. Not in any way do I wish to minimize the suffering that you've faced or may still be facing. Um, and so some of you might say, well, don't we get enough of this in the news and other places? Do we really have to talk about this at church? And so to answer that question, if you can this morning, um, would you raise your hand if you've lost a family member or close friend to an addiction of some kind? And keep your hands up for just a second. Look around. You're not alone. And it's huge, isn't it? Thank you. I know that's tough. Um, I waited 12 years for a little brother. I was an only child for 12 years. And you know where the story is going to end. I'm an only child again. At 37, um, his life ended. It was devastating. It was a life filled with addiction. And I love him, but it was tough 
for all of us. It's not just the person that's in that situation, it's all the rest of us that love them as well. And so I want to begin with this in a really simplistic way, which is why I work with children, because I don't get much better than simple. Um, I've worked with children for a while now. As a matter of fact, I've worked with children long enough to be able to say this, and I'm not sure if I'm bragging or complaining. I've worked with children long enough that some of the children I have taught are now grandparents. And I'm not sure where that leaves me. (laughs) Except that I'm loving it. And, you know, it's really interesting in all of those years. I've never once, not ever, never, heard a, a child say this to me. You know, when I grow up, I want a really messed up life. I'd, uh, I'd like to be enslaved to an addiction so that I can't, I don't know, like lose my best relationships. I'd like my addiction to lead to, say, you know, lung cancer or maybe liver failure or total system collapse, at least definitely some kind of major health issue. Did I mention that Jim said he was uncomfortable with sarcasm and I'm not? Yeah, okay, good. Just remember that this is sarcasm. I'd like to go out and have some short-lived fun that makes me look wild and crazy. Maybe place a bet and get so hooked that eventually I lose my house and then maybe my family. Never heard a child say, I'd like my addiction to lead to a place where I'm no longer trusted. Everyone loses faith in me, and I lose my job and probably my family too. Or maybe I'd like my addiction to keep me so busy, so engrossed in the work or the game or the pornography that the time I need to be with family and friends is all used up, and I no longer have any meaningful relationships, and my family and friends are gone. Never heard that. It's not something we go out of our way to find and do. And yet, with all those hands raised, it seems like bad advice might be winning sometimes. So I'd like to start with this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. And I did mention that I'm family ministry, right? And that's with children. And Doug told you already, the other Doug, um, the Doug with hair. Uh, He... He told you that we're having this summer's great adventure and that I was going to do something shamelessly. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. It's just when I turn to the verses. Y'all getting a view of that? That's to remind you. It's subtle. Hopefully it'll just get there eventually. Now let's go back to this verse. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything but I will not be mastered by anything. That's in the New International. It's a great translation, but I'd like you to see it in the children's version because I think it makes it so clear, so simple, that we can all hang on to it. It's the International Child's Bible. I am allowed to do all things, but not all things are good for me to do. I am allowed to do all things, but I must not do those things that will make me their slave. You see, this idea of slavery and being mastered by something, it, it becomes all too real. 
I would love to tell, this is a disclaimer for what's about to go up on the screen. I would love to tell you that I know the Greek language inside and out, that I can parse verbs and do all those cool things that people that know it can do. But instead, I'm just going to tell you I know how to use Google. All right? And in knowing how to use Google, let me put up the Greek word for you, for mastered. It's the one that's used in those verses that we just looked at and a number of others in the New Testament. It's the Greek, to be controlled by or enslaved by, to have authority over, brought under the power of something. So, exosiasthi, it's a long E, somai, has to do with this idea of being completely enslaved and mastered to the point that it has total power. And in this case, in your life. And I want to make sure that today you all understand that we're not just speaking about drug addiction as something that has mastered you. Because the question, the focus for today is, what has mastered you? And can I just read a a short list? There's tobacco in all forms. Weed, not like in the backyard. Unless, you know, and then we're talking a whole different story. Comfort food, social media, appearance, illegal drugs, prescriptions, caffeine, alcohol, pornography, shopping, video games, gambling. And interestingly, these are all symptoms of the real root problem. The first part of that real problem we're going to identify today as idolatry. Because you see, we allow whatever this addiction is to set itself up as a false god that we think we need to function. And without it, we don't function. And, and so it becomes our god. And, and I'd like to put a few ideas here together as well. I think most all of you in this room would agree that wood is a neutral thing. You know, like wood, like a tree is neutral. It's neither a good or a bad. It's just there. And yet, did you know there's some scripture about wood and what we're talking about today? Uh, Let's go to that one. It's found in Isaiah 44. And I want to make sure these people get to see the back of my shirt. He cuts down cedars. That's wood. He selects the cypress and the oak, both woods. He plants the pine, another wood, in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Sorry, I slipped into children's church mode there. Okay, I know you know what those kinds of trees and things are. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. He, yep, can we keep going? Thank you. Then, yes, it's true. He takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, that fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and makes his god, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. Rescue me, he says. Pornography, you are my God. Rescue me, pill or bottle or dinner plate. 
You are my God. Do you realize that the very computer that I used to put this all together so that I would have some notes to follow, where I looked up the Greek word, that same computer, like the wood in this verse, can be used for that kind of a thing, or it can be used for horrible sin. It can be used for that very thing that can tear families apart. You see, we're, we're seeking to find what only God can provide. We're at a place, all of us, daily, where either God is filling the space and the place that he needs to have in our lives or we're allowing something else to. When I'm stressed, do I turn to God or do I want my addiction instead? When I need to relax, do I turn to God or does my addiction comfort me instead? When I need to have some wild and crazy fun, do I turn to God and his people or does my addiction make me feel alive instead? So let's start with the bad advice. We've talked about all of this. Bad advice number one. Remember, bad, bad. Okay, we're not saying this is, if you take a quote out of this sermon sometime, you could really say that our church is crazy. So whatever you do, keep it in context. This is bad advice. Number one, remind yourself that you can quit anytime. It's really not a problem. Tell yourself not only that you don't have a problem, but anybody that tells you that you do, they actually have a problem because you don't. They're all wrong. Just shut them out. Make excuses. Maybe you're a victim and you're powerless to change. Maybe uh, you've tried to quit and you can't. Maybe you deserve this. And besides, you're not hurting anyone. Whatever you do, don't admit that there's a problem. This comes with rationalizations like this. I smoke, but at least I'm not gaining weight. Online porn is better than having an actual affair, right? I may not be doing anything to help anyone, but at least I'm not doing anything that will hurt anyone. And a very real interesting thing that comes out of all this, you've heard this, right? The lesser of two evils kind of starts. Have you ever heard the correct ending for that? The lesser of two evils is still evil. Really? So let's move to the opposite of that. Let's go to godly advice. It comes from Jeremiah 3.13. Only acknowledge your guilt. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols under every green tree. Confess that you refused to listen to my voice. I, the Lord, have spoken. Oh, so God does actually speak to these things. Let's, let's look at point number two of under bad advice. Cave into your wants and your desires because, I mean, after all, you're you. See something you want, buy it, eat it, smoke it, chase it. Who cares if you regularly act like a spoiled child? Make sure you have access to whatever you're addicted to. If pornography is your problem, whatever you do, don't put a filter on your phone or your computer. Hang with the wrong friends because then you'll have easy access to your drugs. Keep those donuts, candy, and ice cream nearby because you never know when you're going to have a craving. 
the godly advice. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. So I tell you, live by following the Spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit. And the Spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other. So you cannot do just what you please. Here, let me read that to you as if you were my child and I was a sarcastic adult. No, 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 don't go that far. I can't go that sarcastic. I don't even have that. So you cannot do just what you please. And yet... What are we always asking ourselves? What are we always asking each other? What do you want to do? Oh, I don't know what you want to do. Let's get in trouble. And bad advice just keeps right on rolling. Let's look at uh, our next bad advice. Number three. Don't, oh, and I'll, I'll read. I put this up here in the nice way. I just want you to know. Because I'll, I'll read it to you the not so nice way out loud, but we won't put it on the screen. Don't tell anyone about your dirty little secret. Don't tell anyone about your little secret. Because, you see, sin grows best in the dark. So keep it there. You don't want people praying for you, or worse yet, offering to hold you accountable. You don't need rehab. You don't need a support group. Around here, it's why you hear us say so often, and maybe some of you can say it with me if you know it, don't do life alone. Yeah. Don't do life alone. The godly advice that goes with this is from Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive like rain in the desert, they'll receive mercy. What a wonderful word. Mercy and grace. Wow. Great words. Point number four for bad advice. You can do this on your own. You don't need God or his power. You ever thought you'd hear those words from a upfront Sunday morning at church thing? You can do this on your own. You don't need God or his power. So you recognize the, the dripping sarcasm, I hope. Interestingly, these are all symptoms of a problem. We talked about the first part of that being idolatry. Now we're looking at the second part, pride. I've got this. I can handle this. It's good. I'm good. Don't bother me. Here's the godly advice. Pride leads to destruction. A proud attitude brings ruin. You're saying, well, where's the godly advice? Duh, don't do that. Don't be there. Don't think you can do this on your own. Um, this is one of those either or things. Either there is no problem, or yeah, I, I do have a problem. And I'm weak, but he is strong. Either cave into your desires or I put to death everything. 
because I'm crucified with Christ and him raised from the dead. You can either keep your little secret or you can remember that whoever conceals his sin doesn't prosper. Either I've got this or, oh yeah, I am really weak. Oh yeah, again, he is really strong. Let's look at one more bit of godly advice. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. He's talking about the weapons we have. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And it continues... We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah, no, same response. I got all three services now. Y'all realize what I just read? I know you know what the words mean, and I know you've probably read that section of Scripture a ton of times before, but can I read it to you again and just recognize with me, just be here with me in the moment, if you would? Let's go back to the beginning of it. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. We're not just talking about, yeah, we'll get some help. Divine power, and what can they do? They can demolish strongholds. You know, like addictions. Yeah. Hey, and there's more. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we get a load of this, folks. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Maybe I needed to read it better. Okay. The deal here is that God's grace is not a magic pill. Oh, is that all? Oh, now I'm cured. But it is a daily relationship. I, I love the fact that it took us, I don't know how many millennia, to get to a place where even in our culture we said, um, you know, you need to find a higher power. It's like, really? You stole that from a really good book. It's a daily relationship. I need Christ's power. And you know what else I need? I need God's people. I need that. Without Christ's power and without God's people, do you see where idolatry and pride have no boundaries? So the question again is, what has mastered you? Maybe it hasn't, whatever it is, has never mastered you. Praise Jesus. But do you know amongst our loving family, there are people hurting daily, hourly, moment by moment. And if we can in some wonderful way, start to demonstrate the love of Christ in all of those situations, in all of those people's lives, then then maybe they'll know that we're Christians by our love. We have some resources available at our church. 
The first of which is that after this time together, there will be a group of people up in the front here, or if you're over in uh, the venue, uh, there will be folks there for you as well to pray with you right now, right after this service, about whatever you need to talk to God about. We have small groups. If you're not a part of a small group, <clears throat> don't say it out loud, okay? We have an amazingly wonderful recovery group here at Verde Valley Christian Church. Those are things that are available that... It's Jesus Christ, though, isn't it? Jim said something last week, and I hope we repeat it each week throughout this. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, you're good. I am not a mistaker in need of a life coach. I am a sinner in need of a savior. If you're like me and you've already made that step and Christ is already a part of your life, you can still need support and encouragement. If you've never taken that step to ask Christ to be your savior, can I ask you a really simple question from a really simple guy? What in the world are you waiting for? Galatians 5.1, if you would, please. Plant your feet firmly, therefore, within the freedom that Christ has won for us. I didn't win the freedom for me. Christ won it for me, and he won it for you. And do not let yourselves be caught again in the shackles of slavery. Isn't that what we're talking about this morning? These shackles of slavery? Shackles of pride. And what a joy when we see somebody like Phyllis who said, and then Jesus changed my life. We just have to give him that opportunity. If you want to pray along with me in this prayer, you're welcome to. I'll just pray it for us together out loud. Dear God, your wonderful plan for my life to be mastered by no one or no thing except you. And it is only you that I can trust to lead me. God, I want to thank you for what you have made available to me. So where my life is mastered by anything other than you, please help me to take the steps necessary to trust you and only you to bring me true freedom. Holy Spirit, I invite your power and purity into all of my life and into all of my relationships. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen.